Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So chapter 22 continues with Surah Al-Ahzab. In these beginning verses, Allah talks about the Prophet peace be upon him's wives. The Prophet peace be upon him lived a life of hardship. He wasn't rich, and there would be many months where all he had to eat were dates and water. And of course, you think that's fair to his wives? So Allah told the Prophet to ask his wives, what would you rather want? Are you okay living this way or do you want out of the relationship because you want a better lifestyle? The wives were openly given this option, that if they want to leave the Prophet for a more lavish lifestyle, then the Prophet peace be upon him won't stop them. But if they decide to stay with the Prophet because they want Allah's reward, then their reward will be doubled. I mean, after all, it's a huge responsibility being the wife of the Prophet. They have to be the best role models. They were considered the mother of the Muslims. So in the following verses, Allah provides more etiquette for the wives of the Prophet to follow so that they could lead by example, meaning these rules apply for all women. Now these verses are the most abused verses in the Quran by extremist men. The verse explains that a woman should be careful the way she talks to men. It's basically saying, don't purposely talk in a flirtatious way. There's regular talking, like when you're ordering pizza over the phone, and then there's the tone that you use when you're trying to be all cutesy and flirty. You know what I'm talking about. Now the extremists, they misuse this verse and say it means, Allah says women should not talk at all. They should keep their mouth quiet. That's not what this verse is saying. Some of the best hadith came from the Prophet's wife, Aisha radiallahu She obviously had to speak to the Sahaba when sharing these life lessons, right? Yes, you shouldn't unnecessarily talk to men, but obviously when you're in school or at work and you have to interact, it's simple. Just don't talk in a cutesy, giggly, flirty way. Allah knows women have that power, that their voice, just by talking in a cute way, can easily make a guy go all googly eyes and get the wrong idea. That is why this command was given to the women. The next verse, again, extremely abused. Now here's the thing, the Quran's original language is Arabic. Arabic is a very gorgeous language and it takes people their entire lives sometimes learning the language. Even we still need to use a dictionary sometimes for our own language. Allah chose each word of the Quran very carefully. And even for Arabic speakers, some of these words are hard to understand. And then when you translate it into another language, it's difficult to find an English word that matches the Arabic word. So you lose a little bit of the meaning. And sometimes a single word can change the entire meaning of a verse. Let's take for example, stay at home, and settle at home. Stay and settle are synonyms, right? But yet, stay at home sounds more serious than settle at home. And then if you look up the word settle in the dictionary, it also means rest. So now compare them. Stay at home and rest at home. Now the meaning is totally different, right? So you see, many times the translation of the Quran into another language is sometimes tricky and not the same. So in this English translation, it does say that women should stay at home. And another English translation will say that women should settle at home. And people think that means that women can't leave their homes ever. This is not true. Yes, that is what the translations are saying, but that's not what they mean. The true meaning in the original Arabic does not mean to say that. So this is for future purposes. If you ever come across a translation of the Quran that doesn't sound right, just know that many times a translation will lose its true meaning because of these words. And it is very important that you look at the context of the verse and look at multiple sources so you know that you're getting a comprehensive interpretation. So what is this verse saying? It's basically saying, don't go out for no reason, just for attention. Don't go out dressed up, looking hot to waste time. Now, some of you may say, I'm not dressing up for attention or others. I'm dressing up for myself. Well, we kind of already learned that regardless, a person should dress the way Allah wants us to. Meaning, even if you want to wear something cute that's for yourself, make sure it follows the guidelines Allah has given women. Hair covered, chest covered, no tight clothing. 
I understand that these rules might make people uncomfortable, which is natural. I mean, we're being told we can't do something that we like doing. So of course you're gonna be like, ugh. But just remember, do your best. Change isn't easy and it takes time. So ask Allah for help. Also, some people take this verse and say that it means that women can't work. Again, not true. The Prophet Muhammad wasallam's wife, Khadija, was a business owner. She worked. In fact, she hired the Prophet to work for her. So you see, women can go out for work and school, but as long as they do it the right way, as long as they dress the way Allah wants, and as long as they are careful with how they talk to guys. Also remember, Allah has given specific responsibilities to men and specific responsibilities to women. So both the husband and wife should prioritize their main duties before doing anything else. Meaning as long as you complete your main duties, you can work and do other stuff. Allah mentions that one of the responsibility of the women is to keep Islam and the Quran alive in the house with the remembrance of Allah. It is very important, otherwise how can you expect the kids to understand and learn it? In the next verse, Allah references the situation between the Prophet peace be upon him's adopted son Zayd and his ex-wife Zainab. Remember, we discussed in the previous surah that the Prophet Muhammad was told to marry his sponsored son's ex-wife to prove a point that sponsored children and blood children don't have the same rules. But it wasn't enough to just say this rule in the Quran. Allah wanted the Prophet peace be upon him to lead by example, which is why Allah gave the Prophet this command. So for example, our culture and society, we do a lot of things that Islam says we shouldn't do. Like for example, like weddings, they should be simple, right? But we do the exact opposite. We can say all we want that, oh, weddings should be simple, blah, blah, blah. But saying it isn't enough. You have to lead by example. But so many times we're scared to stand up because our culture loves saying, oh, what will people think? What will society think? Who cares what people, society, or the entire world thinks? You should only care about what Allah thinks. So don't just preach the rules of Islam, lead by example. Allah reminds us again, remember Allah throughout the day. Throughout the Quran, Allah has mentioned over and over again, zikr is such a powerful tool for Muslims. Salah is only five times a day, so in between, zikr is the best way to remember Allah. The more you remember Allah, the more Allah remembers you. The more zikr you make, the more all the angels around you will tell Allah that, look, the servant is remembering you. Send him blessings. I mean, unless you don't want angels making dua for you. In the next verse, Allah talks about marriage. Allah says that if a couple gets divorced before they had intercourse, then the woman does not need to go through the idah before she gets remarried. Remember, idah is the waiting period of three menstrual cycles and the purpose of idah was to make sure that the wife was not pregnant. But if no intercourse was done, then there's no reason to go through the waiting period. Allah has decreed that a man can have four wives, but the Prophet peace be upon him was the only one excluded from that rule. And this was because sometimes Allah needed the Prophet peace be upon him to marry someone to set an example, just as he did with the whole sponsored son's ex-wife situation. So of course imagine, all the women who had lost their husbands in battle, or the divorced women who still have children too. People back then, and even people today, look down on widows and divorced women, that who's gonna marry that divorced woman with children? That is wrong. Which is why the Prophet peace be upon him would marry a widowed or divorced woman to set an example for everyone else. That these women have just as much as a right to get married, and they should not be outcast or judged. Allah also makes it very clear that the Prophet Muhammad is the last Prophet. There will be no new Prophets after him. So Allah mentions house etiquettes again, that no person should enter another person's house without permission, don't show up to eat without being invited first, and once you are done eating, then don't just casually stay around for hours. Now of course imagine, you know, like how much people loved spending time with the Prophet peace be upon him. And how even, you know, today we love to stay and talk for hours after we eat. 
Well, the Prophet, peace be upon him, was a busy man. He'd get tired and, you know, he was too shy to tell the people to go home. That's how nice he was. So Allah revealed the surah saying that even though the Prophet is shy to admit it, Allah is not shy to speak the truth. So that's why this verse was revealed. Don't be a burden on a family when you are invited over. <laughs> Leave after you're done eating. Allah talks about how very important it is that anytime you say or hear the Prophet Muhammad wasallam's name, immediately say wasallam. Those who send blessings upon the Prophet wasallam, Allah will send 10 blessings on them. Now here we have another controversial verse which has a lot of different opinions. This verse talks about how women should cover themselves. From this verse, many scholars believe that this means that women should cover their face too, so that only their eyes are showing. And of course, there are some hadiths that support the face being covered, and there are some hadiths that say it's not mandatory. So let's break this down from the beginning, as to why women are asked to dress modestly in the first place. Let's take evil eye for example. Have you guys seen this new trend going around where people post their baby's picture but they cover the baby's face with an emoji or something? Why? They're protecting it from evil eye. And if you didn't know, even a person with good intentions, who's purely admiring the baby and is 100% happy for that couple, even that person can accidentally give evil eye if they don't say mashallah. Meaning, evil eye can accidentally come from good people too. So they cover the baby's cute face with an emoji to protect the baby from evil eye. What does this have to do with hijab and covering the face? Well, that's kind of the first reason. Just like how you want to protect the face of a cute baby, do you not want to protect the face of a beautiful woman? Do you not want to protect yourself from evil eye or from dirty looks from men with bad intentions? Now, I know this topic is extremely controversial because people think that, oh, women are only required to cover themselves because men are hormonal animals and they can't control themselves. That if men were properly taught to control themselves, then women wouldn't need to cover themselves. That why do we tell women to cover up? Why don't we tell men to just control themselves? I agree. Society and culture are really bad at holding men responsible. And a lot of men use this as an excuse that it's not our fault. She was dressed like that. She tempted us. No, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm going to say this very slowly and carefully. Just because the Quran has told women to cover does not give men an excuse to behave like animals if the woman isn't covered. Like I said, our society needs to do a much better job at educating boys and men. But at the same time, you have to understand that no matter how much we explain people not to do something bad, people will still end up doing it. So a hijabi friend of mine helped me come up with this metaphor and hopefully this helps explain it better. You have a house, right? And just because you leave the doors wide open, it doesn't mean a person has the right to just walk in, right? No, it's wrong. Just because the doors are unlocked and open doesn't mean you should enter the house. But does that stop people? No, it doesn't. People know it's wrong, but they still do it anyway. No matter how much you explain to people and teach them that it's wrong to enter houses and steal, bad people will do it anyway. Now, if you did leave the doors open and someone did come in your home and steal everything, of course, that thief is 100% wrong. There is no doubt about that. But what should the owner of the house do? If you know that there are bad people living in your neighborhood, isn't it a smart idea to lock your doors? So you see, we can teach men all we want to respect women and lower their gaze, but that will not stop evil men from taking advantage. Allah knows men have this specific weakness that they easily go goo goo gaga in front of pretty girls. No matter how much you tell them it's wrong, shaitan still traps them. This is why Allah has told women to dress modestly and cover so they can protect themselves from men with bad intentions. And don't think Allah or the Quran hasn't said anything to men. No, 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 no. Allah told men first to wear hijab. Yeah, I know. You must be all thinking, what? Men need to wear hijab? Yes. So here's a fun fact. Hijab does not only mean headscarf. 
Our society and culture, we define hijab as headscarf, otherwise the actual Arabic definition of hijab means a barrier, you know, like a wall or a fence to separate something. So a brick wall can also be a hijab. But in the Quran, it's meant as a metaphorical barrier. Like, you know, make sure you put up an invisible wall up to protect yourself from the other person. So remember back in Surah An-Nur, who did Allah tell first to lower their gaze? Allah specifically gave this command to men first because Allah knew that this was a much harder thing for men to do. So how does a guy keep hijab? Well, he lowers his gaze. That is the hijab of the eyes that keeps the invisible wall of modesty between him and the girl. In a hadith, when the Prophet peace be upon him was confronted with a woman who wasn't covered, instead of telling the woman to cover, he looked the other way. Again, men do not have a free pass to behave like animals just because a woman hasn't covered herself or wears a skirt. If that man crosses this line, he will be severely punished. <sighs> so this is where Surah Al-Ahzab ends and the chapter continues with Surah Sabah. So this surah was revealed during the early years of Islam. It wasn't as violent or chaotic during this time and the Prophet Muhammad wasallam was still explaining the basics of Islam to the Quraysh. So the surah begins by praising Allah, the owner of the universe, the most wise and the most aware. Meaning, Allah knows about everything, every living creature's thoughts, Allah can hear all at once. So these first few verses reference the Quraysh's reaction to hearing about the Day of Judgment and how everyone was going to be brought back to life. <laughs> they thought it was crazy talk. They laughed it off. Again, the Quraysh had this typical argument that we are rich, we have everything, we aren't going to be punished. Which is one of the biggest mistakes even people today make. That just because their lives are good does not mean that Allah is always happy with them. Allah references Prophet Dawood, David, and Prophet Sulaiman salams, father and son. Allah had blessed both of them with incredible abilities. For Prophet Dawood salam, he was given great knowledge. He was given the ability to mold iron. You know how hard iron is? Imagine being able to bend it and shape it like pizza dough. Yeah, he could do that with his bare hands. In fact, even the birds in the mountains would sing praise for him. Prophet Sulaiman we spoke about before. He was given the ability to communicate with animals, to control jinns, and control the wind. These two prophets had such amazing blessings, but they were still so extremely thankful to Allah. They didn't just verbally thank Allah, they made sure they used their blessings for the sake of Allah. How about us? Do we ever thank Allah for our special skill or ability? Or even if we say Alhamdulillah, that's not enough. You need to show it too. It's important that we use whatever skill or blessing Allah has given us for the sake of Allah. Use it for good. The next verse talks about how Prophet Sulaiman died. He was sitting on his throne on a chair and he was watching his jinn army work. The thing was, when he passed away, nobody knew. His body was still, you know, he was leaning on his staff so that kept his body up. Not even the jinns knew that he died. So they all kept working. It was until little termite ants, they started eating the bottom of the staff and it broke and that's when the body fell. That is when the jinns and everyone finally realized that he had died. This is to show us that jinns do not have knowledge of the unseen. They do not have knowledge of when a person will die or anything else. So then Allah references the city of Sheba and this was before Queen Bilqis and the whole story with Prophet Sulaiman. Allah explains that the people of Sheba were greatly blessed with gardens and vegetables all around them, but they were thankless. So. You know what happens. Allah sent a huge flood and drowned their city. And of course, this is the response to the Quraysh that pay attention to history. Look what happens to people who don't thank Allah. This is exactly what's going to happen to you people if you don't change. Allah mentions again how wrong it is to worship idols. How no person, especially your stone gods, will be able to protect you on the day of judgment. Some of the ignorant Muslims today believe that they can worship a saint or a peer or an imam or the children of the Prophet or even the Prophet themselves thinking that they'll be able to save them from, from Allah's punishment. This is also shirk. 
do not worship anyone, nobody except Allah. The idol worshippers would think they're worshipping angels, but they were essentially worshipping jinns. You know like how today some magicians can control jinns and make them do things, which is haram by the way. The jinns basically play with those idol worshippers and make them think that the idol gods are actually helping them. The thing was, some people were ready to accept Islam, but they were so scared about how their idol worshipping society was going to react. They feared people more than they feared Allah, which we do today too, right? We're afraid to follow Islam or do the right things because we don't want people to look at us as if we're extremists. Allah says, on the Day of Judgment, the same people who said, we will never follow the Quran, they will be blaming each other that this is your fault, we followed you. No, this is your fault, we followed you. But it won't matter because both are in the express lanes to hell. So this is where Surah Saba ends and the chapter continues with Surah Al-Fatir. So this Surah begins by praising Allah, the creator of the universe. The people who used to worship angels, Allah said that Allah created them to work for Him. They don't have free will to do whatever they want. Allah says He created some angels with two wings, four wings, and even more. Meaning different angels have different powers and different levels. In the hadith, it is said that Angel Jibreel had 600 wings and they were dripping with pearls and diamonds. And the length of the wing was from east to west. Crazy, right? Allah is trying to explain to the disbelievers that He is the one who provides for you. It's not the angels, not your stone gods, no one. Allah gives you everything that you need. Allah has proved that over and over again with the signs, but the people were still convinced that their smaller gods existed. Isn't it crazy that some people do something wrong or against Islam and yet they are 100% convinced that they are doing something good? Allah says those people are completely lost. For example, I'm sure you guys have probably heard that a lady opened a mosque for the LGBTQ community, you know, for homosexual individuals. And in that mosque, women could stand next to men and pray. <laughs> women could even lead salah too. In their minds, they love Allah. They are happy and they think they're closer to Allah now. But they're completely doing it the wrong way. Allah has set up rules. And if you go against them, no matter how good it makes you feel that it's making you closer to Allah, it's wrong. And that level of ignorance is scary. So make sure you don't ever fall into that category. So Allah talks about how we all want honor and glory, right? Well, I mean, most of us. We want to be recognized. We worry about our image and status with people. We live in this world to please others because we want to look cool, smart, and successful. Allah says that is fake honor. The honor that pleases people isn't real honor. The true honor is with Allah. Those who do good and make Allah happy, they get the real honor in both this life and in Jannah. We're all so worried about what society thinks of us. I mean, hello, why not worry about what Allah thinks of us? The one who can delete us with the blink of an eye. The one who can make all of our dreams and wishes come true. Let's use my favorite classroom example. The teacher is the one who grades us, so why are you so worried about what the janitor thinks? Sounds silly now, right? Yes, we humans are silly. Allah gives this very unique example. There's water from the ocean and you know there's water from rivers and lakes, right? If you take a glass of water from each, they both look the same, but one tastes salty and the other tastes sweet. Allah says, yet both waters, both the ocean and rivers, they both provide us benefit. You know, because we get pearls from the ocean and you know, we find gold in rivers. Similarly, the people in our lives, both the good and the mean bad ones, Allah is saying that we can benefit from both types of people. We can learn from the good people and also learn from the bad people. It all just depends on your mentality, your perspective. Look for the good that you can from good situations and the bad situations. <laughs> what a brilliant metaphor, right? Allah makes it clear that He does not need us. It is we who desperately need Allah. But we continue avoiding Allah. We think that we can live a decent life by doing the bare minimum. That we can be very happy by just doing the basics like praying five times a day. It's crazy, right? 
We all really want to be happy and successful, but no one wants to put in the effort. So this is where Surah Al-Fatir ends, and the chapter continues a bit more with Surah Yasin. So Surah Yasin, of course, is a very popular surah. It is known as the heart of the Quran because it perfectly summarizes Allah's entire message into one surah. So this verse begins by saying that the Quran, the wise and truthful Quran, confirms that Prophet Muhammad was the true Prophet. It's addressing the Quraysh who doubted this. So the verse continues and says that this Quran is directly from Allah, the most mighty, and it is sent to wake you people up, to guide people to the right path. But the people who don't care about the truth, the ones who won't even give the Quran a chance, those people are basically signing up for hell. So this is where the chapter ends, and Surah Yasin will continue in chapter 23.